hello and welcome to another episode of Not D&D, brought to you by EN Live, part of EN World's uh, leading tabletop news and review site. I'm your host, Jessica, and this week with me, we have Sam here. Sam, thanks so much for coming on. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Um, so this week, we are talking about uh, your game, Anamnesis. Uh, could you tell us a bit about, you know, what your role is in creating this and uh, a little bit about you for everyone, if they're not familiar with you? Yeah, sure. Uh, so I am the writer of Anamnesis. Uh, I did all of the game design for it. Um, and I self-published it under my business, Blinking Birch Games. Um, and as far as who I am and what my other work is, uh, I primarily do some game design. Um, I also have a couple of editing projects coming up, which is exciting. Um, and I also make videos about different TTRPGs. So mm-hmm. there's some stuff about my own games, but primarily featuring other people's work. Yeah, I, I that's how I first discovered you on TikTok, because you do kind okay, of yeah. little few-minute reviews on other different indie tabletop RPGs, uh, which I loved, because also with this show, I'm trying to spotlight other indie tabletop RPGs as well. Sure, so exactly. I was like, fantastic, someone else doing this, we can definitely <laughs> talk and have stuff in common. Um, so yeah, as I mentioned, we will mostly be talking about Anamnesis, your game, as the, the main kind of bulk of this. Um, but before we get into talking about that, I always ask people about kind of their history and background with RPGs. Um, so when was like the first time you played RPGs? What was your first experience with it? Yeah, I started playing RPGs in college and that was about six years ago, I think. Um, and it started with d and I played a couple sessions of Pathfinder in high school, actually. Late high school, a few sessions of Pathfinder. Didn't really play anymore. Um, Didn't really know what I was doing (laughs) during Pathfinder, but had a lot of fun, you know. Um, And uh, I I really wanted to start playing in college, so I found a group of people who are also interested, a couple of people I didn't know at all, a couple people I Mm -hmm. like kind of knew, and my brother who went to the same school as me. And we all never had played before. And so I went into straight into DMing, which is not something I necessarily recommend. (laughs) But it was a great time. We it -hmm. was really nice because all of us were learning it together. Um, And that was a fantastic group. And then I've just been I was playing D&D for four years, and then I realized how wider the RPG space is um, and haven't really looked back too much. So right now I'm primarily playing Blades in the Dark with a couple of friends, um, but we like to try a bunch of different one-shots out of different things. Amazing. Sounds really good. What was it that that made you kind of step out of D&D? Because I think a lot of gaming groups, uh, people I speak to, they're like, my group plays loads of D&D and I want to try this other cool stuff I've heard of. How? <laughs> Is yeah. that a question? So do you, so, how, what was your like experience of that like? Yeah, I I was lucky because I had, I had friends who were interested, right? Like I, yeah, I had... Yeah people who were willing to try other stuff or or mm-hmm. had tried a couple things in the past and enjoyed it um and but for me i i learned about the wider scene through kickstarter um because i yeah. think i was browsing for D modules on kickstarter and then i mm-hmm. was on their rpg section and was like whoa <laughs> what's, what's all, all this, this? Yeah, yeah so um so i wasn't really introduced to it by somebody else I was kind of the person who then went around to all my friends and was like play this with me (laughs) so um yeah yeah, it really really just it's been about two years now um since Mm -hmm. really diving into it 
And you've really uh, dived into it because uh, you've, you've <laughs> not only have you like been playing that, you started kind of creating games as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so how did how did that step go from somebody who just enjoys playing games and running games to somebody that that makes games? Yeah, sure. Um, it, it kind of I. Honestly, a lot of it had to do with the community. Like as soon mm-hmm. as I got into this stuff and I started following some game designers on Twitter and I really just fell in love with the indie tabletop community. They were so mm-hmm. like so creative and so encouraging, especially of new folks mm-hmm. in the scene. Um, and it was a community that I wanted to be a part of. Um, but then yeah. also it, I found that writing RPGs was a really wonderful merging of a lot of my interests. So between being interested in in writing in general, um, mm-hmm. but also it, writing and RPGs, theater yeah. has been a hobby of mine for a while. Sure. So yeah. you kind of get a little bit of that in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just love the, I love the puzzle behind it. The kind of logic puzzle of trying to figure out what works best in a game. Um, So it really ended up being a great hobby for me because it just combined so many things that I loved. Fantastic. And let's dive into a little bit talking about um, anamnesis here. So um, when did you start writing that? Like, What was your inspiration? What what got you going with this game? Or actually, you should probably start with a little whistle stop of what the game is for people that aren't familiar because oh, sure. I, I know it I was like yeah tell us about it I was like, actually for people that aren't familiar with Amnesis could you give us a little elevator pitch for, for what the game is and what it's about yeah absolutely um so Anamnesis is a single player game that uses tarot cards to play um mm-hmm. and it is about a person who wakes up and doesn't remember who they are uh and it plays through a series of five different acts, each act bringing you through a stage of learning about yourself or mm-hmm. kind of processing what you've learned about yourself and moving forward. So it's a lot about identity and self-discovery and yeah. how to move forward with what you've learned. Um, and I had I had a blast writing it. Uh, it's all mm-hmm. it's all a lot of prompted writing so it's it's a journaling yeah. game um so mm-hmm. each act you get different prompts and uh as you get these prompts you learn more about your character mm-hmm. i was interested in having you on to talk about this because solo rpgs and, and journaling rpgs are kind of a new area for me it's not something i've looked at and i think for a lot of people in the pandemic they kind of discovered the genre as well yeah. so were there a few that you kind of played before that were your inspiration before writing this or um yeah, do you have any other recommend as well that you kind of got you started into this genre? Yeah, uh, the first solo game that I played, which I will always write about, is um, The Portal at Hill House by Travis Hill okay. and Lindy Ferris Hill. Um, it's this little like, cosmic horror game. Um, okay. And it's about uh, going to this house and you have to go through the rooms in order to find mm-hmm. these objects to close this portal. Um, mm-hmm. And it's really interesting because as you're kind of going through the house, there's you roll on tables to see what feeling the rooms are giving you and like what mm-hmm. objects you find in them. Um, and I had never played a solo game before and I really fell into it. Like it, I, mm-hmm. I, I hadn't been writing that much at the moment. Um, and as soon as I started playing that game, it just flowed, which was f- 
phenomenal. Um, and it was a really mm -hmm. cool experience. And then I played uh, The Wretched by Chris Pissette, um, mm -hmm. was also an inspiration for kind of how anamnesis was set up in a way, like with the, mm -hmm. so anamnesis is also divided into suits. So um, mm -hmm. rather than in The Wretched where each suit is about like a different aspect of there's like the ship, the creature, things like that. And you can mm -hmm. just draw any suit at any time. Um, in Anamnesis, you divide the deck up by suits. And so you're only drawing from one suit. Um, okay. But it was kind of in, uh, an influence in that mm -hmm. design. Yeah. And where did you start with your idea for it? Because the, the idea of, you know, kind of memory loss and uh, key thing in the game. So where, what, what started you out for wanting to write this story? So it actually came from a, it, it was, um, there was an idea that I had that was completely different. <laughs> and oh, yeah? it was, yeah, it was, it was, um, I thought it would be interesting. A while, I had this idea a while ago. And so mm -hmm. originally I was thinking it could be a D&D one shot sort of situation. Okay. But then um, I was like, well, maybe it could be its own thing. Um, where in the, the GM has all of the character sheets for everybody, but all the players have blank character sheets. Because oh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. The players are like, don't remember who they are. And then as you play, mm -hmm. you gradually like figure out your skills and how mm -hmm. you relate to like this town that you find yourselves in. Um, yeah. And so you kind of like fill out your sheet as you mm -hmm. go. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it started as that. It's very much not that anymore. Yeah, it's, um, like it's, it's changed a lot. <laughs> yeah, so it kind of went through this process of, well, you know, this is this is interesting, but maybe maybe this would be more interesting as a solo game. Um, mm -hmm. But then also, like, do I really need a character sheet? <laughs> and then, well, maybe it's kind of like more of this introspective thing, and maybe it uses tarot cards, and mm -hmm. it, it just went down this completely different path um so it wasn't what I had originally set out to write but I was really once I figured out what I was doing with it um it was very exciting and did that come through in like play testing did you start by playing with like other people or was this just purely your own sitting writing process that it evolved into into yeah the solo kind of thing is now it was just kind of my writing and design process mm -hmm. as I was figuring out what to do with it. So mm -hmm. eventually Anamnesis did have a couple of play testers, a couple of my friends mm -hmm. <laughs> who were yeah, interested yeah. in it, um, which was phenomenal. I mean, they, their feedback was invaluable. So mm -hmm. it's, uh, but yeah, the, the, the writing process was just kind of natural. Amazing. Um, I so if we could talk through kind of the structure of the game and yeah. like how mechanically the game works, because I'm I'm I've come from like a lot of people I think traditionally where I'm playing RPGs with other people. So the idea of a solo RPG, people are like, oh, so what does that actually involve? Like, what um, sure. How, what are the mechanics of that? So if you could just talk us through how that works in Anamnesis. Yeah. So the um the game itself as a journaling game, it's one where tra I guess traditionally you would write about these different prompts that you get. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of solo games happen to be journaling games because it's kind of a way to create the story in like a tangible way and to like yeah. explore that as just one person, as yourself. Um, mm -hmm. And, but you could do things like keep a bullet journal or do an audio log or even yeah. just think through the questions. Um, mm -hmm. 
if you don't feel like writing. Uh, But it's a, I I really like solo games because Mm -hmm. they can be very introspective at times and they can be very Mm -hmm. personal in a way that sometimes group games are not. Um, Yeah. Group games can be personal with the right group of people. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, you always hear about people putting a lot of themselves in their characters and sometimes exploring what? things, right? Yeah. yeah. Who, no. who would, who um, would do I that? I've never. Uh, <laughs> I, would, I would never. <laughs> so the solo game just really allows somebody to take more control over the narrative um, mm-hmm. and really explore different aspects of, of themselves or the story or this character without... Mm-hmm necessarily having to worry about the rest of the people at the table um yeah so i found that they can be more personal experiences and like more moving experiences sometimes than um than games as a group yeah no that makes sense um so when you say this the structure of the game you're you're talking about like prompts and the tarot cards Mm -hmm. so if if we were sitting down to to do a game like how um i've got like we've got the act one here on the on the screen yeah sure so how yeah so mechanically how do we how do we get into the game so uh the first thing that you do after you divide the decks up by suits Mm -hmm. um you draw a major arcana card so one of the one of the decks is the major arcana deck Um, And the first card that you draw is called the shadow. And it's Mm -hmm. basically a representation of who you were in your past. And it's kind Mm -hmm. of an option to fall back on if you would like, but you don't, you know, some people will use it more than others. And I think that that is perfectly great based on the themes of the game. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you move into the first act. So as you have here, um, act one uses the pentacles deck uh, and is a, Act one is all about when you first wake up. So it's really about your first impressions of yourself um, and your surroundings. So where are you? Is there anything around you that is um, that is kind of striking up memories? Um, what are your what are you wearing? What is your voice like? What you know? What uh, mm-hmm. what? How do you feel about who you are as a first impression? Um, yeah. And so in order to go through this act, you draw three cards from the Pentacles deck, and those will determine Mm -hmm. the three prompts that you answer here. And then for each prompt, you draw a major arcana card. And so the major arcana helps you basically answer the prompts. So Mm -hmm. for example, if you get prompt three, which is you open your mouth and hear yourself speak. What is your voice like? You might draw okay. the magician. You might draw the lovers. You might draw the devil. And all of those are going to have very different connotations. Um, yeah. And so you can use that major arcana card to help inform um, your response to the different prompts. And like, one thing I like about it is you don't need to know anything about tarot or something. It can just be like any art piece. You look at the card and it's what you take from it as a person. So, um, cause I was looking at it and I don't know that much about tarot and I was like, Oh, is that going to be an issue? And I think at the mm-hmm. top you said, you don't need to know. And I was like, okay, cool. This yeah. <laughs> that was really yeah. important to me actually, because mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. honestly, when I started writing anamnesis, I didn't know a lot about tarot. I knew like a little bit here and there. Oh, yeah. And I've learned a lot since <laughs> I've learned a lot through the process of making the game. And afterwards, mm-hmm. um, I learned a lot more about it. Uh, but I was kind of 
near I, I had some very basic knowledge of it and a couple of friends yeah. who were really interested in it. Um so uh to to me, maybe maybe that was why it was so important for me. Um to just be mm -hmm. like, yeah, you. As long as you have a deck of tarot cards, it doesn't matter if you've ever used them. You, you know, you can play this game. Yeah. What made you want to use tarot cards instead of, uh, you know, dice or like a, a reg, you know, or something like that? In, instead, then, if if you weren't, if it wasn't something you were particularly familiar with, it's mostly because the cards are so evocative. Um, mm -hmm. Different decks have different art, and the mm -hmm. deck that you play with is going to influence the story that you write. Um, yeah. And with prompted writing, it seemed like a really great storytelling tool. Mm -hmm. the, the use of dice um, is fantastic in a lot of games, but in the case of this one, it makes things like a little bit more random than I would like. Mm -hmm. And you can argue that drawing you know, a card also makes things random, but when you yeah. draw that card, you can interpret things however you want to based off of that yeah. card. So. Um, I liked the flexibility of that. I liked um, how when you get a prompt and you draw a card, you mm -hmm. it really helps um, inspire ideas for it rather mm -hmm. than, um, I mean, a prompt itself can also inspire plenty of ideas, uh, sure. but it kind of can provide that little extra guidance for people who, who might prefer that. Fantastic. And so there are five acts, did you say? Yes. In the game? Okay. Uh, and so you, throughout the act, you're going through discovering and learning more kind of about yourself and your character um, that you're almost kind of creating, really, as you explore. Um, how long does, how long would a game be? Like, I know it's how long is a piece of string, because I guess it's how much you want to put into <laughs> it. But yeah. roughly, when you've been playtesting and playing, how long do you find people uh, spend with the game? I I would say probably maybe like three hours, give or take an hour. Um, okay. And that's maybe if you're doing like writing. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you're, you know, doing an audio thing that might take a little less time or if you're just kind of thinking through things that'll take even less. Um, yeah. But I would I would say maybe two to four hours on average. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. And I, I really like that, obviously the tarot cards you say have that visual kind of prompt with it, but you've mm -hmm. also taken it to kind of having an audio prompt in a way with the, the, you've got a Spotify playlist for like playing the game too. Sure. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Could you talk us through about like what your idea was with that and, and how that influences the game or? Yeah, I, um, I actually, it, that's funny because I've never even really thought about how listening to that music could really influence how you play the game and yeah. I, I guess I I wanted to create a playlist that has the that matched the aesthetic I was going for with the game sure. um, but I just I just really enjoy making playlists um, mm -hmm. it's kind of another thing that I do in the TTRPG space um, I actually will take commissions yeah was that I remember I had somebody on who mentioned you that you did their playlist for them oh. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember who it was now. It wasn't Orbital Blues. Someone else we had on anyway. That that's did, oh, funny, was, it yeah. was it Broken? Oh, it yeah, broken? it would have been Broken, yeah. Yes, that's the one. <laughs> that's yeah, great, so yeah. Yeah, we playlist there with that, so. Yeah. So this is something you do um, for, yeah. It's part, it's, it's, I've been making playlists for, uh, I, since high school, right? And it's been a pretty yeah. large hobby of mine. I used to, mm -hmm. like, take requests from people and make, like, little eight-track playlists based on just completely nice. random prompts. Um, mm -hmm. And so when I started getting into the RPG space, 
Um, it just kind of felt natural to bring that part of mm-hmm. my interests over with me. Um, yeah. So I, I've recently been making a lot of playlists for other designers' games, which has been a lot of fun because they're kind of they're kind of like a fun challenge, right? Um, yeah. To to try to like understand that work in those themes enough that I can mm-hmm. make a playlist that matches them. Um, mm-hmm. And then I'll work with the designer about like what specifically they're interested in. And um, yeah, and it's, it's a lot of fun. So anamnesis um, was mostly just because I, I really enjoy making stuff like that. And I feel yeah. like musical accompaniment um, can be really impactful and interesting yeah. in games. I know that when, I'm kind of constantly listening to music all of the time. <laughs> so if yeah. I'm playing a solo game, a lot of times I'll find some sort of playlist that I feel matches the tone mm-hmm. and I'll pop that on or if I'm writing. Yeah. So, yeah. It made perfect sense to me because when I'm, because this, this like solo journey game, I really enjoy making characters for like any kind of game I'm doing. And if you're doing a very involved heavy game, it can take a while. And this is almost like if you enjoy that process, this game mm-hmm. is kind of, exploring and creating a person uh, and I always have music on when I'm doing that that matches the theme so I thought the okay. playlist was fantastic because it kind of matched that sort of thing um, mm-hmm. as well um, so we very much talked about this as like a kind of a solo journaling game as well but I did notice you have a two-player kind of modification to it how does how does that work <laughs> sure yeah. uh, there's so I actually um so Anamnesis was played on Planet Arcana, which is a D&D mm-hmm. actual play podcast um, that uses, uh, wh- wherein the deities are the major arcana. So uh-huh. um, we were kind of familiar with each other's work. I listened to the podcast. They had heard of Anamnesis. And mm-hmm. um, we decided to partner up and do an episode awesome. where the DMs played Anamnesis. Um, and so that podcast has two DMs. Um, mm-hmm. And so both of them were playing the game. So we talked about how to modify it. Um, and so the two player modification actually came out of that. Um, okay. And they essentially what they did was they had um, each of their pl- each of their characters, they each had one character and and they both, woke up, both of them couldn't remember where they were. They were in the same place. um, So they were chatting with each other. Uh, And then they drew um, the same prompts. So each act, they had the same prompts, but each player drew a different major arcana card for those prompts. So, um, you know, if the prompt was like, you see this, abandoned building that stirs up memories. Why Uh does it stir up memories? What used to be here? Um, Both of them got that prompt and were looking at the same building, but then they drew different major arcana cards to see how their character felt about the building. Um, And it led to a really beautiful story. And a lot of that has to do with with the DMs, J and B, who are just incredible and fantastic improvisers. Um, And they really just made something, I I was like teary eyed (laughs) at the end actually. Um, And it was, I was I, I had never even thought about doing it two players until yeah. then, um, but it worked really well. Because that sounds like a really interesting 
uh, sort of way to to do it because I think if you're new, if sometimes if you're new like like I am to solo kind of RPGs I think I'm so used to having another person to bounce off yeah um, that I love the idea that there was an option to do it as a two-player if I kind of wanted to have that kind of sort of shared experience uh, opposed to a solo kind of experience with it um, what kind of you know advice or recommendations would you uh, give to somebody who's perhaps come from playing like a lot of D&D or more like a classic RPG and if they're moving towards more solo journaling kind of games what sort of advice would you give them for that? I think that the biggest advice would be um, to go in without any sort of expectations in the sense mm-hmm. of it's not going to be anything like <laughs> the other games that you've played. Um, <laughs> yeah. It might still be a tabletop RPG, but it's such a different genre that comparing mm-hmm. the two doesn't really do any good in my yeah, opinion. Sure. So I would be looking into it as like a completely different experience, um, mm-hmm. especially depending on which game you're playing. There are some games mm-hmm. that are more a little bit more D&D-esque with, with tracking stats and everything. Um, sure, yeah. Or that are solo games. Um, mm-hmm. But then there's a lot that are just journaling games. So I, mm-hmm. I suppose the other advice would be, um, you know, what type of gameplay are you interested in as a solo yeah. game? Um, and what type of genre as well? What type of story you're interested in telling? Do you want to tell something that's more personal, like like anamnesis might be, or do you want to mm-hmm. tell something that is just very adventurous and you know monster slaying, classic sort of sword and yeah. sorcery s- stuff? Um, that's going to be a very different game that you pick up. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Definitely. Um, I also was wondering with anamnesis because one thing I thought of was like, has anyone said they've used this before a campaign? to create their character. Yes, actually. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not just um, me. I saw it and I was like, mm, yeah. Yeah, uh, I kind of have, um, I mean, part of the way that I talk about anamnesis is that it can also be used as a character creation tool. And a few mm-hmm. people have have told me that they've done mm-hmm. it for exactly that, which is really exciting. I think it's, mm-hmm. um, I think it's a cool way to explore character creation. Yeah, I'm glad it's not just me that thought that as well. Because I was thinking, if you're planning a long campaign and you wanted to have bring a character to the table that you had a clear kind of image of who they were, this could be fantastic for mm-hmm. for doing that there. Um, so, speaking a bit about the game, but speaking about the kind of uh, self publishing um, aspect of things as sure. well, uh, so this game's done quite well. Uh, <laughs> in that aspect. Um, yeah, uh, so obviously uh, the game is available on Itch, uh, Linking Birch Games, and you first, if I'm correct, did crowdfunding on that platform there. Yes, um, I did. Yeah, which really well. And then uh, moved on to do a Kickstarter campaign, uh, which again did very well to get like physical copies made. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you also had an Emmy Award nomination for Best Electronic Book as well. Yeah. So congratulations for that. Thank you. It's very, <laughs> um, very exciting. <laughs> so what was, how has it been uh, kind of publishing again? Because obviously writing a game and creating a game is, is one aspect of it. And then publishing and getting a game out there is a whole other different thing. Sure, uh, yeah. How has that process been for you? What's that been like? Um, it was a really amazing learning experience. It, I mm-hmm. have zero background <laughs> in okay. any sort of publishing, crowdfunding, anything. So anamnesis uh-huh. was a lot of firsts for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it Not only my first time with crowdfunding, but my first time trying to print a book, my first time dealing sure. with shipping a book, oh. uh, first and time. What, 
What a time to learn how to oh, do that. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. It actually, fortunately, it wasn't too bad because it's just a zine. And I didn't mm -hmm. really have um, the only like possible extra add on that I had with it was that there were higher tiers on the Kickstarter where somebody uh -huh. could get a tarot card in the mail that had like either a prompt written on it or okay. like some interpretations of the card written on it. So mm -hmm. there were, I, I think there's 72 cards in a tarot deck. I, that might not be true. 78? Okay. I don't know off the top of my head. Um, constantly, I'll agree with you. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's 78. Um, yeah, definitely. 78. Cool. Sure. Uh, absolutely. Um, so so I, I made like 78 of those and I mailed them out. But essentially, mm -hmm. you know, those are really easy to just slip into an, a mailer. Um, yeah. So there wasn't anything that mm -hmm. was complicated to ship, mm -hmm. which was really nice. Um, I really tried to make the Kickstarter as simple as possible. I was like, no mm -hmm. add-ons, no stretch goals. This is yes. my first time doing one. I need mm -hmm. to keep it simple. And it worked really yeah. well. Um, I kept on waiting for like the ball to drop. I kept waiting for a disaster to strike. And everything went really smoothly, which I'm really grateful for. Um, but yeah, it was it was a lot of just learning the basics. Um, I remember I got, um, so Mixim, I printed through Mixim. Mm -hmm. um, and they have a little free packet that they'll send you that gives okay. examples of like this, this little zine has like glossy, a glossy cover. And this little zine is uncoded. And this one has yeah. this paper weight and which was great because I didn't know anything about any of that. I was like, what is a hundred GSM? Yeah. Yeah. No clue. <laughs> um, so I, um, so I got that and then I could kind of, get a sense of what I wanted for anamnesis, mm -hmm. um, did a test print with Mixum, liked the result. Um, and yeah, so just learning all of those little things, how to use backer kit, um, how to yeah. like, what is the, what's the best way to ship? Uh, I used pirateship.com, which I mm -hmm. highly recommend for anyone. It's at least anyone in the U S I don't know if it's available outside of the U S. Um, sure. but really convenient and free, which is great. Mm -hmm. Um, nice. And uh, yeah, just and talking to a lot of designers, um, to a lot of other people who had gone through this process, uh, being like, "Hey, <laughs> how do you know? Do you know how to do this thing on Backerkit?" And yeah. uh, just reaching out to people, um, which mm -hmm. again, this community is wonderful, and they're yeah. really supportive, and um, so many people are just so willing to lend a hand and give advice and chat about their experiences with things, and that was just. Um, like really invaluable to me. So yeah, mm -hmm. it was, it was a lot of learning. Um, but mm -hmm. I, I feel it, but the learning went well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like more prepared for the next book for sure. Oh, definitely. I think the first one you do is always such a steep learning curve. And then you yeah. feel, you feel a little bit more confident the second one, but then the second one throws some other stuff at you. So there'll be some more learning and things there. Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of people that watch have their own ideas for games and are interested in maybe going down the crowdfunding route. Um, so you crowdfunded on two different platforms on itch and yes. on Kickstarter. Did you find them to be very different experiences or? Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I I first did itch funding because I was a really new designer um, mm -hmm. and I had never done crowdfunding before and running a Kickstarter seemed way more complicated and stressful than okay. what I would like to start with, mm -hmm. um, especially as somebody who was new and didn't really have um, 
like a following that I felt would necessarily support me for a Kickstarter. So um, itch funding had just become a thing. (laughs) The the term was just starting to float around. Mm -hmm. Um, And the nice thing about itch funding is that it's not Itch, itch.io does not have a crowdfunding platform. All itch funding is, is you you put the game on like a sale and you set a goal for yourself. Uh, you, yeah. you, you can set a goal so you can see the little bar <laughs> and how far it's yeah. filling. Um, and you talk about it in the game's description. You say, hey, you know, if the bar gets to, you know, $200, I'll hire an editor. And if the bar, you know, so you can, mm-hmm. but it's not, there's nothing, um, it's still just like buying a regular old game from itch.io. Um, So that means that first of all, there's no time limit. So you can Mm -hmm. have a project in itch funding for as long as you want, Um, which if you don't want that time pressure that Mm -hmm. um, another crowdfunding campaign is another crowdfunding platform is going to give you, um, then it's perfect. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing is that, you unlike something like Kickstarter, where you know if you don't hit your goal, that's it. Um, with itch funding, you are getting those funds that are coming in. So mm-hmm. um, a lot of times, at least in my opinion, it's kind of nice to have some sort of product available. So for Anamnesis, mm-hmm. I had the beta version available, um, which sure. was basically like, hey, these are the rules. You can play this game. It just, it doesn't have a nice layout and it hasn't been edited and there's going to be updates in the future if, you know, the itch funding is successful. But even if it's yeah. not successful, then you at least have the beta and you can yeah. play that. Um, so people are... Um, backing the itch funding page, knowing that it's possible that they won't, it's possible that it, they, they are giving their money yeah. and that they won't receive an updated product, but sure. they are getting this, this other yeah. product. So, so they're, they're getting the game and yeah. the, the, the raw part of the game opposed to a, a shiny product. So exactly. Yeah. Um, and then, so, so that is something to kind of keep in mind with itch funding. Um, but it's it is nice that if you don't reach your main goal, you still have those funds so that you can at least do some of what you wanted to do, um, sure. even if you can't do the whole thing. So I really like itch funding from mm-hmm. um, a new designer perspective. From mm-hmm. a you know if you're if if there's anyone out there who is thinking about crowdfunding who is stressed about it and mm-hmm. doesn't really know what to do or how to get started, I definitely recommend itch funding. The The only thing about it is that it won't get the traction that something like Kickstarter will. Um, sure. It's definitely probably, probably out of all the crowdfunding sites, it's, it's going to be the hardest to get people to look at. Um, but if, you know, it, it's at the, um, it is, even though people might blow in slower, it's, Mm-hmm. at a more relaxed pace and you don't have to worry quite as much about about it um yeah kickstarter i did a two-week kickstarter campaign mm-hmm. um and i was it was amazing how well it did <laughs> like i i really um it funded on the first day and it was a huge Ooh. relief yeah <laughs> <laughs> um but even so i was surprised i underestimated how much 
stress or how tired, I should say how exhausting. Um, I, uh-huh. I don't know if it was that stressful, but it was exhausting um, mm-hmm. that running the Kickstarter would be. So, and yeah. only because you have that that shorter time frame, and even if you've already funded, you know, it's nice to still get more if you can, right? And yeah. so there's a lot of advertising that goes for it and the time crunch and the updates that you write. So it's definitely, I was pretty exhausted uh, by the end of those two weeks. And mm-hmm. I, I felt like the week after that, I was just in <laughs> like relaxed self-care recovery mm-hmm. mode. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't think I'm, I don't know if I'm ever going to do a Kickstarter that's more than two weeks. Or I mean, mm-hmm. I'm actually not sure I'll be using the platform more. Maybe, but I'm kind of curious about, there's so many other platforms to try out there. And so I think yeah. I'm going to experiment with some other ones. Um but yeah, so it's it Kickstarter gets more attention. Um, mm-hmm. It's really good at drawing in people, um, mm-hmm. but it is a lot more complicated, and yeah. there's it's a lot more exhausting. For sure, I think if you're especially if you're a, a first time indie RPG creator, you likely have a day job or something else you're doing, like yes. you know. Uh, and so doing a Kickstarter does take up so much of your time and energy. Uh, so you're going to have like a second job while it's running, which mm-hmm. is a lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but like from what you said about itch it is a lot more in your own timescale. So it's so I think it's so much more accessible if you're a smaller creator and you have other you know demands and things in your life. It sounds like it's a lot better. So thanks for thanks for talking kind of through that. Yeah. Sure. Um, yeah. Do you have um, I think with crowdfunding, one of the things people talk about a lot is building community and. Uh, and you obviously are on Twitter and you're on TikTok and things. How how do you go about creating community on those kind of platforms? Um, sure. What advice I, do you give to people that are just entering that sphere? Yeah, um, <laughs> I'm still working it out myself. <laughs> I okay. Like, um, but at the same time, I think that, um, you know, I think that a lot of it is formed by the stuff that you talk about and the way that you mm-hmm. talk about things, right? Like if you are if on your platform, you are not only advertising your own stuff, but you're also trying to advertise for other people, right? If you're also mm-hmm. like shouting out things that you really enjoy, <laughs> if you, yeah, yeah right. <laughs> this is <great. laughs> um, I, I think that like shouting out other people's work, you know, saying, hey, I just played this game and this game rules and you should check it out, right? Or, mm-hmm. you know, just, just, asking questions, being there for people who are also getting started and who, you know, are, um, are really trying to get over those first hurdles of learning how to do things. Um, Mm -hmm. That goes a really long way in making a, um, making a really caring and compassionate community. Um, It's really, you know, I, I really try to be very positive um on my Mm -hmm. platforms um with the tiktok videos that i do when i talk about other games i um one of the things that i really stick to in those is i never say anything negative about the game (laughs) they're actually not reviews some people will call them review videos but they're really not because i'm not actually reviewing them i'm just I'm just talking about them. I'm just sharing something I like. It's a shout out. Yeah. Yeah. Essentially it's more of a shout out um, or like, like just hyping up a game. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't say anything negative about them because there's like, it's just not the point of the platform Mm -hmm. um, or not the platform. It's not the point of the videos that I make. Um, The point is really to 
like show other people what's out there um, and get some um, attention and recognition mm -hmm. for smaller designers. Um, yeah. And being like, these are these are things I don't like about this game <laughs> isn't really yeah. helpful for that. Um, yeah. It's it's to really help other people on the platform see what other stuff is out there besides D&D. &D. Um, and then just like chatting with people, um, if you can, it's, I, I think that, you know, community is not built in a bubble, right? And so mm -hmm. if you, yeah. and it, it's, it's tricky in like an online world, right? There's Twitter, there's TikTok, there's Discord, there's all sorts of stuff and spaces. And sometimes it can be pretty overwhelming. Um, I know that I am in so many Discord servers and I've muted all of them. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, you know, find your space, find like a nice mm -hmm. space, find like the people that you really um, enjoy chatting with and that you can really like bounce ideas off of very easily. Um, and whether that is like a singular discord server or even just like a group chat with just like a handful of people or just like individual designers. And mm -hmm. I, I've done a lot of, in the last few months, I've, I've, um, met with a lot of game designers one-on-one -on -one just to like get to know people and chat and see what's going on in their lives and in their mm -hmm. work. Um, and it's been amazing. It's been so much fun, um, getting to know people beyond the little like icon <laughs> on their Twitter. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, that's kind of, I I feel like I do a lot better with one-on-one -on -one conversations or like very small mm -hmm. group conversations. And that's kind of what I've found is great for me. Yeah. Um, and it's gonna be different for everybody. So, so I guess really just find the community that you want to be part of, right? Find that space mm -hmm. where you can talk to other designers and um, yeah, and that's that can really, be amazing um mm -hmm. being able to chat with other people about design for sure for sure um so if we've been talking about anamnesis your game if people are interested and want to kind of learn more about your game or purchase it is itch the best place to go to yeah um so that's going to be blinking birch games at uh dot itch dot io um yeah. and that is the you can get digital copies right from mm -hmm. itch, um, but it also will have the links to everywhere that you can buy physical copies as well. Um, so Fantastic. there are there are some copies in some stores. And there's also, um, because I, I when I received some copies of Anamnesis, some of them have like scratches on the cover or bent pages mm -hmm. and I got replacements for them. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I will say that Mixum was really great about, um, mm -hmm. about sending, uh, replacement copies of stuff, um, but I still have those. So I also, um, directly from the Itch.io page, I sell discounted damaged copies to anywhere oh, in the okay. world. Yeah, so um, I think it's like 12 bucks worldwide, um, including the shipping, um, which oh, I nice. just, you know, I want to, I don't want to just like toss them, <laughs> but I also yeah. feel bad giving them to like stores to sell because that's, you know, I don't want to give them damaged copies. So, uh, so that's 100%. an option too. That's a little cheaper yeah. for people. We yeah. do we do that EM publishing as well. So because sometimes nice. a book just has like a dent or a ding or something in it. And it's nothing that's like the game's broken, you can't play it. But if somebody's yeah. just bought their brand new game, it's a bit like, oh. So we just sell them at conventions a bit cheaper because people can look at it and decide if, yeah, it's a bit damaged, oh, but it's fine. So that's a perfect idea. That's a great mm -hmm. idea to do them at convention. Yeah, I love that. Because then people can see it and you can say this is the damaged exactly. part. So someone can say, Yeah, I can see it's scuffed in the corner, it's got this, but 
I don't mind and I'll take it for discounts. I think that's a great yeah. idea. Um, but yeah, so if you're listening to the podcast, the link is in the show notes for that. And if you're watching, it's on screen right now. Uh, so get Blinking Birch Games on itch there to check that out. Um, Sam, are there any questions I haven't asked you that I should have about Anamnesis <laughs> or anything else that you want to share with us about the game before we're coming up to the end of our time? I don't think so. Thank you so much for uh, for having me on and asking me about it. I really appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for coming on to to share your game. Um, before you go, though, I do get everyone to share uh, some other games. So do you have any recommendations for other kind of indie tabletop RPGs? The rules are uh, it can't be D&D and it can't be one you've made. So they're the only rules. Perfect. So many. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, as far as other solo games go, I, I mentioned... Um, Portal at Hill House and The Wretched. Um, but one other one that I really, really like is Long Haul 1983 by Sean Patrick Kane. Um, okay. That game is, you play as a long haul truck driver um, who, it's also kind of like a cosmic horror sort of thing. I'm, I'm a fan <laughs> of that genre. Love Why not? Yeah. Um, and so you're a long haul truck driver and you're driving across this, this you know, interstate and there's, the roads are abandoned. You realize that there's nobody on the roads. Um, and so you, it kind of is the start of this journey of trying to get home to somebody that you care about. Um, mm -hmm. And at the end of each day, you do this audio log that is basically in the form of a voicemail that you're leaving for this person um, oh. who you're like trying to get in touch with. Um, mm -hmm. It is really good. I pl I've played it once. Uh, I died so fast. <laughs> um, I really want to play it again. Uh, it's really <laughs> um, a fantastic game. And there's also a playlist that goes along with that one too, but oh, it's really okay. unique because um, it actually, the game will actually tell you to like play certain songs during okay. different prompts it's really cool um mm. so yeah i love that one um as for like a another either a single player or a two-player game um okay. another cosmic horror one actually <laughs> is uh relict by moss powers mm -hmm. it's really fun um and it's basically about one or two people um going to essentially like uh if well, I'm thinking about the, the game that I played in, so I don't know if all of the games are about this, but basically we mm -hmm. um, kind of went and confronted this, like, eldritch entity, essentially, and um, you kind of have these, um, you have these, like, bonds that you're holding on to, these, like, strengths that you're mm -hmm. holding on to, um, which you can, like, lose or gain throughout the game. Um, it was really cool. It was told a really neat story. Um, and then the other one is that's totally different. It's called Ravenheim. Uh, it's by Teg okay. Leons, and um, it is a game inspired by Gothic literature. And you, mm -hmm. it's a group game, and you're playing in. It's a great one for like fall season. <laughs> I gotta yeah, say, spooky um, season time. Yeah, amazing, perfect for it. It's it's basically you are in this kind of crumbling old estate um mm -hmm. and you're playing as like different archetypes from gothic literature and okay, yeah. you are solving some sort of mystery that's going on in the estate so the it's probably one of the it's maybe one of the most fun i've ever had gming a one shot um nice. because the gm you play essentially as the estate which is full of all of these 
ravens, uh, all these crows. They're like all over the estate. And so you're playing as the crows who are like interfering with the characters and it's a lot of fun. Um, so I highly recommend that one, Ravenheim. That sounds really good fun. Thank you so much it's for those great. recommendations. Yeah, of course. Um, so yeah, so we can check check all those out there. Maybe there'll be guests on the show in the future because that's also <laughs> secretly why I asked the question. So I know. <laughs> um, Sam, thank you so much for giving up your time and coming and sharing your game uh, with us. If you have any other games in the future, do let us know so we can have you back on to to share those ones as well. Sure. Um, but yeah, and thank you very much to everyone who's listening or came along to watch. Uh, next week on September 19th, we have another guest of Thirsty Sword Lesbians we're talking about. Um, so if you have any questions that we are recording live, so come along, uh, recording at 10 p.m. BST live on Twitch to watch that. Or you can always catch up and listen to the podcast like you are here as well. Um, so I think that's it for this week. So from myself and Sam, thank you very much and goodbye. Goodbye.